I'm gonna wish with every part of my being that the sun beaming through the window is adding to the vibe and not killing the vibe. It is beaming in here right now and it gives me life. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel vibrant and it is beaming directly onto my camera. So I'm hoping it's giving a nice sun glare effect and not disrupting the view. I don't know, there's not a whole lot to look at today. Actually, welcome first and foremost. And today I'm drinking a half-calf oat milk latte with a dash of hazelnut creamer. I need to take a sip. And I'm wearing my papa's sweater. Today is actually 10 years since my papa passed away, which is crazy to go a whole decade without him. Like, I'm thinking about him a lot. I've been feeling him around a lot lately, which is such an interesting concept. Ever since I did the Coffee Talk podcast episode with Celeste, she practices witchcraft and we got onto the topic of ancestors and something she said has really stuck with me. It was how she has had people pass away and she feels them around. And then there's people that she's had that have passed away or passed over to the other side and she doesn't feel them anymore. And we kind of touched on it a little bit, this idea or this concept of like, perhaps some souls go into another dimension, go into another lifetime, perhaps some stick around. And I don't know why it gives me so much comfort. Well, I do know why, but it, it genuinely, if I just don't think about it, if I really just go with what I'm feeling, I really have sensed for a long time now that when my papa passed, he made it almost like his mission to watch over the rest of us until we join him. And then maybe we'll all go venture somewhere next life, who knows? But he is one soul that despite it being 10 years, that seems like so much time to live without him. But I feel him around all the time. And it brings me a large sense of comfort. And I've had a lot of like intuitive souls tell me that they've sensed his energy too. And so I've been feeling his energy around lately. Decided to wear his sweater today to honor him. Trying really hard not to get weirdly emotional. Not that it would be weird, but just like, yeah, that's my little backstory as to why I'm wearing this sweater. It was his sweater. I took it from his closet and it's like the one thing I have of his still. There's a couple other things, but. Note to self, call Nana today. We'll definitely need to do that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the next Coffee Talk podcast episode. I am restructuring these just a little bit. I want to get better at just flowing with conversation. However, I also will be very honest with you. I get self-conscious that I am boring you with my conversations or that I might, you know, fluff things out too much. My podcast is meant to feel like you're genuinely tuning in to have a cup of coffee with a friend, right? And if you were here in person, I wouldn't edit myself down. I would just be talking. However, if you were here in person, there would be dialogue, not monologue. So it's an interesting concept to kind of straddle while creating a talk, but I do want it to feel just a little bit more 
I guess authentic, just more like you're tuning in and I'm, I'm just free flowing some thoughts. Sometimes I'll have notes like I do today. Sometimes I'll add in some little sub stories or side stories like I did today. And if it sucks, I'll edit them down and, you know, crop them out, but let me know what you think. So today's chat, I want to talk about a book that has popped back up on my radar. Actually, a couple books have. So we are not that far off from the end of the year. And I have a couple open books from this year that I really need to finish. I want to wrap them up because it's my goal. I've set this goal a couple months ago that I have not updated my Goodreads from what I can remember. I don't think I've done it at all this year. Maybe I'm wrong. My memory is very, very vague from this whole year. There's a lot of pockets missing, but I read a lot of books this year. However, I didn't do any of my Goodreads reviews and this is such a weird thing to get hung up on, but I take my reviews of books very seriously. Like when I go on to Goodreads and I'm about to write a review, I, I take some time for that, you know? And perhaps building it up like that is partly why I haven't done reviews. But another part of it is just that I have a couple books that I started and haven't finished. This year quite literally knocked me off my feet in some ways. And so when there was things that kind of fell to the wayside, books were definitely one of them. You know, my habit of reading didn't get prioritized over some other higher priority things. So with only, what is it like five, six weeks left of the year, which is very, very wild to think about it in that perspective that that's only, that's not very much time to finish books, but here's another little side story. I feel like part of my functioning, part of my coping mechanism, part of my body's reaction to some of the things I've gone through this year is being in a state of functional freeze. If you've ever heard of that term before, it's been popping up a lot, but I actually just recently saw a very perfect description of it on the holistic psychologist's Instagram. So I'm actually gonna pull it up so that I can be a little bit more accurate because it is not my expertise, but it is something that I, I've definitely experienced this year. And it even comes all the way down to books. Like I have just like frozen in some ways and not moved forward. And so ever walk into a room and forget why you're there or go from task to task so overstimulated that you cannot complete one or remember or maybe you get all your tasks done but it's like someone else did them not you this is your body in functional freeze how to get out is to move your body come back to the body small steps you know like basically i feel like i'm melting or thawing myself out of functional freeze in a lot of ways Part of that is finishing out the books that I left opened from this year. And one of them, so such a long-winded way for me to tell you about this book, one of them is the Yamas and Niyamas. Now off the top of my head, I am terrible. I cannot remember the author's name. Let me pull it up. So the author is Deborah Adele. And yoga philosophy is something that has called to me in lots of ways and I feel like it's something I go back to whenever I need just a little bit of inspiration a little bit of core values a little bit of groundedness in myself I for the book club over here on the membership I run we've been reading The Body Keeps Score and it's a great book but I think that for myself it's been a little harsh for me to read right now like I will fully own that I have been 
perhaps more sensitive than usual. And so I'm really enjoying the book. It is very informative, but as I'm listening to it, he uses a lot of very blunt terminology of, of like certain traumas and it is, it can be heavy to listen to and it can be heavy to read. And I've had a lot of heavy this year, so I'm enjoying it in small doses. And when I do catch myself with an open opportunity to read, I'm still wanting to inform myself. I'm still wanting to like lean into a nonfiction in my audible books, like in my audiobooks when I'm going on my drives. So anyways, I've been listening to the Niyamas, the Yamas and Niyamas. And one that's really caught my attention, it feels like a theme lately, is this idea of living in truth. It's something that I, I've definitely talked about or threaded through conversations before, but it's something that I'm thinking about in a new way, I guess or from a new light, from a new perspective. This idea of living in truth, it comes back to what I started my talk with today of like wanting to just log on, turn on my camera and just talk and not edit myself, not feel like I have to hide or I just recently filmed a vlog and it was probably the most fun I've had filming a vlog in a long time. And it was because I wasn't trying to edit down my life or to perfect my life in any kind of way. I really went into it with the mindset of just, just, just share, just show what you're actually doing. Don't do something to, to show it, you know? And with that, I captured so much content because there wasn't this pressure. It really has just been getting to me this idea of what living in your truth really means and how do you live in your truth? Now there is a talk that is coming to like the recesses of my mind right now. It's like, just like fuzzing in the back of my brain that I do, I do know we had back in the summer. I hosted it back in the summer and it was this, another quote that's going to stick out to me at this time. And it's from the Chinese proverb and it is, and I might butcher cause I'm going off of memory, but it is basically this concept that tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. And that's not to say that you are just relaxed in a sense where you're not moving forward in your life or you're not going after things or growing in any kind of way. The difference is, is that relaxation in my mind, I would translate to perhaps grounding, like a grounded version, being grounded and relaxed in your body, in your state of self, in your mind, that's who you are. And when we're out of balance, when we are at tension with ourselves or at tension with the external world, that's who we think we should be. That's who we think we have to present ourselves to other people. So I asked myself last night, I was sitting by the fire and just having a nice little me moment journaling. And I was like, okay, genuinely, when I ask myself this question, what does it mean? What does it mean to live in your truth? What does that actually mean? Trusting yourself is the key to living in your truth. And let me tell you why. The way that Deborah Adele, the author of the book, described it was actually in relation to other people. How when we are worried about other people, what we're doing or saying in a very, very subtle context, and we don't even mean to a lot of the time, like it's not like you consciously think this unless you do, which is okay and very normal. Sometimes we do worry about whether it's our little siblings or our parents or our friends, whoever it is, people we love, our children. But what we do when we come at things from a state of worry is we basically undermine our trust in somebody, our trust that they will, they are competent, that they can figure it out, that they are 
living their life or on the right path for themselves, or even if that they, they do get it wrong or like that they're taking on too much that they won't know what to do or how to deal. And so if that is the basis of our worry for other people and the antidote to that worrying for other people is love, because when you love somebody, you trust somebody, you trust that whether it's your children, your friends, your siblings, your loved ones, your parents, whoever it is, your coworkers, you trust them and you love them to know that even if they do make a mistake or even if they're doing something that you maybe think they shouldn't, which again, this goes so much deeper because like it's our own projection of thinking that we know better for other people. And this does root back to ourselves. Give me a second here. But when instead we flip it on its head and we love and trust other people, we basically say like, I believe in your competency. I believe in your ability to handle what life throws your way. And I'm here to love you and I'm here to support you and I'm here to hold space for you. But I'm not gonna give you worry because worry is basically saying, I'm worried that you can't. And so coming back to living in your truth, that can also very much go for the relationship for yourself. Actually, it is exactly the same concept when we talk about living in our truth and moving through the world. If you struggle with anxiety, then a lot of the times, I'm gonna guess on a very subtle plane, you don't trust yourself because, and there are many reasons to struggle with anxiety. So please note that that is not a blanket statement, but this is just, let me just pitch a concept to you because it's something that I've related to with my anxiety, with my holding space for myself, showing up as myself, living in my truth, sharing my truth online and being more authentic and not feeling like I need to perfect things or edit my life in some kind of way, right? It all comes back down to, do I trust myself? Because if I don't trust myself, whether it's, you know, trusting that I can handle any criticism that comes my way, trusting myself that I'm doing the best I can so there's nothing for me to hide, trusting that I don't have to be a perfect version, maybe actually a better word for that would be loving myself enough to know that I don't have to be a perfected version of myself in order to share with the world, right? When you trust and when you love yourself, you give yourself the key to living in your truth. Because when you walk around living in your truth, anything that does come your way, you trust yourself to be able to handle. And when you don't trust yourself to be able to handle the world or you don't trust the world or don't feel safe out there in the world, then how are we to live our truth? When we're moving through the world and we feel unsafe, we cushion ourselves from the truth. We cushion ourselves from reality. And there's so many ways that we can cushion ourselves, whether it's indulgence, bad habits, addictions, and like literally anything that numbs you, anything that makes life just feel a little less scary and a little less intense. That keeps us from living in our truth. And there's a very valid reason that we do that, right? Like we do it for a sense of safety. When you're scared, it is not your fault that you seek out a sense of safety. And we are very intelligent sometimes. <laughs> we are a very intelligent race, so we will find all kinds of ways to make ourselves feel safe, even if they put us at risk in the long term. All we care about, all of our nervous system, like basically our hardwiring cares about is making sure we're safe right now. That is literally what fight or flight or freeze or fawn is. It's, I need to feel safe right now. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not thinking about the past. Right here, right now, I need to feel safe. So a lot of the times the things that we do to make ourselves feel safe actually put us at 
further risk in the future, but our minds just go, we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with that later. But cushioning yourself from the truth, cushioning yourself from reality is also cushioning yourself from yourself, from your truest sense of self. When we feel safe and when we feel loving, both with ourselves and the outside world, but again, I'm gonna say this and I'm always willing to have my mind changed, but I don't know if we can really move through the world in our fullest state of lovingness for other if we can't do it for ourselves first. But when we can, when we do, when we make ourselves feel safe and we make ourselves feel loved, that is when we basically free ourselves to live within our truth. We stop feeling like there are all of these loopholes we have to jump through in order to feel valid, grounded, safe, and loved. You give it to yourself first, and when you give it to yourself, you actually move through the world in a different way. You move through the world with your truth, but you also give other people permission to do the same. You know, you stop worrying about other people, and you start loving and trusting other people too. There's a little bit of a catch-22 to this as well, because let's say... Like I know recently I have definitely felt more anxious, more afraid, more worry, more stressed. And I think even just being vulnerable with that reality, just holding space for that reality. Because a lot of the times when I am anxious, I'm like running from my anxiety. I'm trying to push myself forward and just like catch myself in a state of like, can I just get into a certain mindset or get so focused on a certain task that I stop thinking about how anxious I feel or how worried I am. But to even just say like, I don't feel safe and I don't feel loving is living in your truth. In a way that honesty with yourself is almost again, the key it's, it's trusting that it's okay to acknowledge even when you don't feel loving and trustful with yourself. Like it's the first step, I guess would be what I'm trying to get at here. It was last week's coffee talk where I mentioned the notion of even if you're gonna do something that isn't healthy for you, do it consciously. And I kind of wish I picked it apart a little bit. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to now because it actually bears context to this conversation as well. Let's say you know that you've cushioned or armored yourself from reality. Reality feels too unsafe, too intense, too, you can literally put any word you'd like here. Maybe it would make more sense if I speak from my own point of view because then that way, yeah, I'll do that. So let's say recently I have felt like life has been very raw, meaning that it's almost like it's hurt. Life has been hurtful lately. It's felt hurtful lately. And because of that, obviously it makes sense that I would want to cushion myself from that hurt. And in a lot of ways I have, I've withdrawn a little bit. I've done these little things and I'm glad to say that I'm leaning into more self-care things, but even still it's like, I'm cushioning myself from the pain. Even in doing that, which we all have a right to do. It's not like the point isn't to throw yourself into the truth to the point that it hurts or it, it actually does end up putting you in a, in a state that you don't feel confident or trustful or competent in yourself. Like that's definitely not the case. You don't just like trust yourself overnight. The way to build trust with yourself is to, you know, wade out into situations where you're testing your competency and you pass the test and then you can retreat a little bit and you go a little further each time. So when you're in that state where you're like, yeah, I know I have a cushion or yeah, I know I have a sense of armor around myself that's protecting me. Like maybe it's for my example, 
with editing myself in recent podcasts, like I still have to show up, but I don't feel safe to show up and just open my mind to the world and, you know, take the criticism. So you do it consciously. You say like, I know what I'm doing. I'm aware of what I'm doing, but this is why I'm doing it. It's not about whether or not you're using armor. I think it's more so what, what ends up happening is then it becomes our responsibility to understand the armor. Like it became my responsibility the second that I needed to withdraw to understand why I'm withdrawing, to understand what I need and listen to my needs, listen to my intuition in order to make myself feel safe, to trust or build that trust with myself by showing up for myself, giving myself what I need, which allows me to move forward and live in my truth or hold space for my truth, even if I don't do it with other people. Like again, coming back full circle to just filming more and being a little bit more relaxed in the way that I capture content or share my thoughts or, or share these talks whatever it is, like doing that is coming from a place of trusting myself, trying new things, you know, changing the structure a little bit of what I do, seeing how I like it. Did I, did it, did it work? Did it not work? Like, and then you, you tweak and you make adjustments as you go. I think it's just like each time, each time we overbook ourselves, we lose trust in ourselves at each time that we you know, go against our intuition, we lose trust in ourselves. Every time we burn ourselves to keep other people's warm, other people's, other people warm, we lose trust in ourselves. Every time we hurt ourselves or, I mean, it can go so much deeper, right? Like every time that we tell ourselves we're not worthy or we're not good enough, like we lose trust in ourselves. With each action, we lose a little bit more trust. And the only way to gain that trust back is to counterbalance that action with a trusting action with yourself by fulfilling a promise that you're going to make to yourself. And something that I feel like is worth noting here, because this was mentioned in the book and I related to it so much. And so I'm going to relay it here because I do think that again, in the modern age, it is so easy to be on like the fast track for life. Like we overbook ourselves. We stretch ourselves so thin and in a lot of ways, again, that's an action towards losing trust with yourself. Like it takes, it's so simple, but it feels so complicated because it really just takes a moment of reflection, a moment of not logically thinking your way through. You're not trying to build your calendar in your mind. You want to build your calendar in your core, in your intuition, in your sense of being like, when you feel what it's gonna be like to be this busy, does it feel good? And if it's no, then you need to be able to retreat back. Like when you're making promises and you're making commitments, are you over committing? Are you over promising? Because each time you do that, you lose trust in yourself because you're setting yourself up for failure. And then when you fail, you're gonna blame yourself. Like this is quite literally the lesson that has been the underscore of like, every project I have tried to take on since having Easton because I'm trying to work and create at the same level as when I never had a baby and pre-pregnancy. And it's just like, it's not real. It's not, it's not possible. And so I'm genuine, I'm setting myself up for failure each time I do that. But again, it's like, I, I have to learn from that, trust myself in order to, you know, reel it in a little bit, you know, get more focused. And it's almost like quality versus quantity. Would you rather do a lot of things, but only be a little bit checked in for them? Or would you rather do a few things and be fully present in them? Like 
stretching ourselves thin in a lot of ways, it feels, it feels good when we're planning that, right? Anytime I do any kind of planning, any kind of like monthly spreads or, you know, filling in my calendar for a month or for a season, it feels good to see a lot going on. It, it's like a dopamine hit to the brain. It's like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm doing a lot, but to actually live it through doesn't feel good. And so even that understanding, that piece of wisdom can go towards an action towards trusting myself to not book in as much as I've booked in in the past. Like, anyway, this is veered very far off course, but what I'm really trying to hit home here is that trust is the key value to actually moving through the world in your truth. And if you can think about people that you have witnessed or experienced, or you maybe even know that are really good at moving through the world in their truth, think about the types of characteristics that they own and tell me, I mean, leave a comment down below if any of them don't seem like they have a strong sense of trust with themselves or a groundedness in themselves and a ability to own themselves and own their capabilities, own their energy, own their time, own even like, I, I'm, this is probably not the right word, but weaknesses or own like, I think of people I know that are really good at living in their truth and when they're feeling really depleted, they'll say, I'm too depleted for that, I'm not doing it. And so even trying to practice that lately, it goes against people pleasing, it goes against you know, trying to be someone you're not, it goes against perfectionism, it goes against so many traits that I think root in a distrust in our ability to feel like, oh, I'm getting somewhere, I'm getting somewhere, hold on. <laughs> it's leaving me, it's leaving me. Why do we do that? Why do we overbook? Why do we people please? It's like, we wanna be able to feel safe as we move through the world. And so we do try to perfect ourselves or sterilize our lives before we share them or edit down would be another word for that. Like edit our lives down so that there's no sense of originality and there's no quirkiness to it because anything that might go against like the norm or what's popular could be a source of criticism. Like there's so many little ways that our distrust and our sense of unsafety in the world and in, in, and in interaction with other, and really what that roots down to our lack of trust, safety, and love within ourselves. There's so many ways that that can manifest in our day to day. And again, it's so simple and yet it's actually so complicated that the only answer is trust. I mean, I'm sure there are other things that could help, but trust is the main component, the, the the master key to moving through the world back in your truth. And the complicated aspect of it is actually building that trust because it's not something we can just flip a switch for. It's something that we have to work like a muscle and make and set promises with ourselves that we actually can fulfill. And then again, you know, wade ourselves a little bit further out into the ocean where we might not feel safe, but we feel a competency in our ability to swim. So that's my interpretation of what it means to live in your truth. But I would love to hear yours. So if you are listening to the podcast today, feel free to jump on over to YouTube and leave me a comment and let me know what is your interpretation of what it means to live in your truth. What does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? What thoughts arise when 
it like if you were sitting across from me with a coffee right now and I asked you that question like what does that mean what does it mean to you to live in your truth because I want to hear other thoughts I want to bounce you know my perspective off of other perspectives because I think that's the only way that we can grow to see a bigger picture so would love to hear your thoughts and I would also love to know is there anything else you would like to talk about I am filling in some scheduled chats for the next few weeks and i would like to know over here on the coffee talk podcast what do you want to talk about we can talk about literally anything we can dive deeper into the yoga philosophy we can talk lighter subjects we can do anything really anything i'm gonna be each month i'm gonna do a little q a catch up like i did last week if you haven't listened to that it was a it was much like this like i didn't edit it as much i just kind of free flowed with my thoughts uh, but in between those, I'm going to have a couple interviews and I'm going to have chats like this where there's a main concept or a main question and then we unpack. So what do you want to talk about? Let me know. Outside of that, I am cheersing you uh, the half calf, half cup left of my latte and I will talk to all of you guys in our next coffee talk. Bye everyone. That was such a weird, long, broken up outro. <laughs> <laughs>